God Tier, Fury of Dracula, and The Order 1886. This is staying in. Talking of France, Chris, you, you did bring something back, and, and you prefaced this which by saying it was a blast from the past. Well, I said it was a blast from your past, Sam. Oh, yeah, you said it was a blast from my past, and I said, you know, and I thought, mine and Chris's connected past? And he's like, no. And I was like, oh, my word. So it goes back further than how long Chris and I have known each other, which is nearly 20 years now. Is it rap music? No. Chris did not bring me back some French rap music. Think back to, you will know the story, think back to my primary school days. I've already mentioned, and Chris is going to have to keep this in the edit now, I've already mentioned a character from this series that is connected to this story. No, you're going to have to, you're just going to have to tell me. Okay, so Chris brought me back a packet of pogs. Ah, okay. Yeah. Are they are they back? Well, this is the weird thing because we don't know. Chris and I looked at the packaging and it's still copyrighted 1994 World Pogs Federation. So either right. this pack has been sitting on a French shelf for close to 30 years nearly. Yeah. Or they just never renewed the copyright. <laughs> So, okay, so you've got some pogs now. I've got some pogs now, and I've not yet opened them, and I was going to open them on the show to see oh. if that would be of any excitement or interest to well, anyone. I think we need... Do we need to explain to our listener what pogs are? Because I know, obviously, you've spoken about in a previous episode that you famously... You famously introduced these to your school. I did, I did. <laughs> All right, listen, if you don't know what a pog is, it's a small cardboard spherical cut out thing and it's got art on it and use it as a you play a game with them basically they're collectible little circular cards with art on them and you use something called a, a whammer or a keeny depending on keeny, which, uh, thank you. Uh, which one you, uh, you you subscribe to and uh, use that to play various games most of which re- uh, revolve around throwing the, the keeny at the pile of pogs um, yeah. and which ones flip over you then get to keep. you then get to keep yeah. It was very cutthroat. So I'm going to um, open this pack of pogs now. Now, Sam, here's the thing. On the front package there, it says yeah. how many of the items are inside, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. It certainly does. As far as I can see, it doesn't have an S at the end. Well, I assume that's because it's in French. So it might so, be a grammatical. What, so the plural of pogs, pog, is five pog. Yeah, this has rocked my world. I'll be honest with you. If if that is actually the case, and I've been saying pogs the entire time, I'm going to feel like I've got egg on my face. But if it's actually five pog, seven pog, yeah, and it says on the back, collection left fifty pog, fifty pog, my pog. So it comes in a cardboard box, but then there's another little packet inside of it. Perfect. Um, I mean. The world is burning, eh? Um, so I'm going to open up the pack and see... Oh, it feels like a paper pack, so it feels like it's all recyclable. It, com- it, it comes with a rule book. And, oh my God, these are... No, these are, these are different. What? 
these are not Ooh. the pogs I remember. Sure. Pog. Oh, no, or maybe, maybe I used to think that pogs had little like notches taken. That was Tazos. That that was Tazos. Or was mate. that Tazos? Okay. Yeah. yeah they were weird. Okay. Yeah, well, weird. yeah. I mean, they are pogs. I've got a classic white pog with the with the pog man on that just just says. Hey, I recognise that art. I recognise that. Very, it's very. It's. In, I mean, it's incredibly nineteen nineties. There's another one with a pog man oh, yeah. leaping with his with his, wow. his trainers on, another with pog man in a aeroplane. Aeroplane. Another pog man trying to hang upside down next to a bat. I suppose it's not way up. <gasps> do do you know that do you know that <laughs> do you know what what the official name for someone who plays pogs is? Or plays pog is? It better not be what I think it is. It, what do you think on. it is? I think it's a pogger. It is a pogger. A pogger. Here we go. The official <laughs> rules that I've never heard before for the first time in over thirty uh, years. I mean, I mean, I mean, would would we be interested in pogs coming? <laughs> no. Back? I mean, we would though, wouldn't we? We would. Come on. I've been saving up for a play... Well, not saving up, actually. I've been wait biding my time because I have not wanted to buy a PlayStation 5. All right? I just... I know everyone's got a PlayStation 5. Out of all of us, we're all very lucky. You don't need it. You're right. I just don't need it. And the, the thing with it is I'm sort of... I'm also, I'm also always that idiot that buys the console about two weeks before they announce the revision. Like, it always happens. Like, you know, it'll always be like, oh, I'm on the DS wagon now. And then the light comes up. And I'm like, oh. So, so that's not going to be me this time. So instead, what I've been doing is going back to, to a few old games. And also, I've, actually, I've got a, a new piece of hardware that emulates old devices. I've been playing old games as well. Lots of old sort of uh, uh, pocket games. But I thought to myself, do you know what? There was a game I've wanted to play since since the very beginning beginning of the PlayStation Four, and that's a game called The Order, eighteen eighty six. Yes, me too. Yeah, I've yeah, always yeah, yeah. wanted to, and it's been one of those games where I'm like, it's either bound to be on PS Plus one month, right, or it's I'm bound to see it in CEX for if not a pound, underneath a pound close to that number close to that number and here's the thing folks it's just maintained its value it's still like 15 quid um you can get it digitally i think recently it was down to like 13 12 13 um so anyway i got it from a charity shop somebody finally gave their copy up <laughs> yeah somebody finally gave it up so i was like okay i'm gonna get that so it was it was seven quid in a charity shop so if you're not aware of this one, this was released in very early 2015. So it was very early in the um, PlayStation 4's lifespan. That, by the way, folks, is seven years ago. Very early in the uh, in the uh, the PlayStation's life cycle. It was made by a company called Ready at Dawn, who uh, went on to be purchased, I believe, by Oculus and started making a bunch of VR games. Um, so don't really think we're going to be seeing a ready at dawn sequel but my understanding is it was a it was like a second party release so in in the way that like ratchet and clank is technically owned by a different company but really it's a sort of playstation thing right mm -hmm. um and this is the era of uh, do you might remember do you remember rise uh, something of rome whatever it was on the xbox oh do you remember that? i remember um i think i was at uh the Eurogamer expo when rise was first announced yep 
Yeah, I think so it was we, just I when think... the Xbox One was coming out, wasn't it? Or... Yeah, exactly. And and it was yeah. it's that those early for me I because I've seen you know everybody, every you know all of us have seen quite a lot of console launches and seen we've been privileged to see lots and lots of different console generations. And the thing that I've I've come to realize is the stuff I really like are right at the mm. beginning and right at the end mm. of a console's lifespan because the the games that happen at the beginning of a game they're always like. They're always they're always like either pushing the boat out in terms of visuals or some interesting trick that they're trying to get the system to do, or if they're right at the end, it's really interesting to see how developers who are working on more modern hardware are making limitations within the games that they have to make them run mm. on older hardware. A great example of this is um, Dragon Age Inquisition, which was which did actually come out on 360 and looks like garbage on the 360 whereas on the on the uh, x1 and the playstation 4 it looks absolutely fantastic but they made it work and it's really <laughs> it's really exciting to see how see that how that works right it's really cool um it's it, it's the same sort of level of excitement that i get out of seeing the witcher 3 running on switch mm, it's where you yeah, go yeah oh this should not be doing this this should not be working as, as well as it actually is but the line where the games actually start on a generation of console is actually is more blurred than ever now because even you know however long the ps5 has been has been around so like two years now i want to say is it two years yeah, it feels like it yeah there's still you know god of war ragnarok is a ps4 and a ps5 day one release and you know microsoft's approach is for everything to be available and everything at all times mm-hmm. um the sequel to everything everywhere all at once um so I feel like we will we ever see like a definitive start of like this is no PS5 PS5 only it's over the, the the idea of a console generation and like having a really clear boundary I think that's that's over now and and I think the PlayStation the 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 jump from PlayStation 3 to PlayStation 4 you kind of saw it coming because like yeah. the PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4 games for the for the majority of them you could you could notice there was some kind of graphical upgrade but it wasn't like night and day like it was between no. ps3 and ps2 like that is that was absolutely night and day so i thought to myself well i'm going to go back and, and play this thing cuz I, I want you know i want to play this thing see what it's like so it is a it is a cover based shooter so think gears of war uh, or the shooting bits in uncharted um and oh. it is and uh, it is set in a Victoriana steampunk world in which you very, very quickly find out that there are these, I think they're called something like inhumans or, or hybrids or something along those lines. Basically, they are animals, that they are werewolves and vampires, basically, but they look like human beings, right? Um, and then they, they can transform. So that's kind of the setup. And the uh-huh. the visuals on this thing, and that is the reason that I was very very excited to play this back in the back in the early PS4 era, uh, and just never got got around to playing it. The visuals on this thing are amazing; like they still are genuinely kind of incredible to see. The amount of environmental detail is absurd. Like like even now, I would I would suggest going back and seeing it and seeing the kind of level of architecture that they're able to deliver on, and it is amazing so a good example of this is um a lot of it is built around arthurian legend 
So this idea that, you know, um, there is a... And and again, this is kind of meted out over the game, uh, over, over the course of the seven or eight hours that it will take you to, to finish this game. Um, the idea is essentially that there are characters called Galahad and Lancelot, and they are kind of taking on the role of those characters from legend and some other fun stuff that i won't spoil so it's it's got a really interesting set of world building in terms of like how it all kind of gets gets started and and uh but this round table that they have is in london uh and first first little interesting side note uh if you thought assassin's creed syndicate was cheesy uh <laughs> uh their depiction of london is incredible oh, yo, 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 yo. like there are moments Oh, like the, the, the en- like so the voice acting is generally really good, but the enemies, some of the enemies are the most core blind. Stone the crows. Like I mean, there's literally fr- like I believe actually Stone the Crows is a phrase that they have in the game. Like it is it's one of those <laughs> things where like you know you're shooting at them and they're like <laughs> They start every song by going, Yo <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um so They bleed jelly deals. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Pearly King and, and Queen. They're the bosses. <laughs> Outside of the the sort of enemies, um, the the, vo- the voice acting is absolutely superb. Like the the main cast of characters is really well voice acted, um, and the storytelling is pretty good. Like the the actual facial animations and stuff like that, uh, the expressions that are able to kind of get across, really really effective. The again the level of detail amazing. And as I say, in this round table that they have, which is set in London, you can go up to the surfaces of the walls and. Every little section of it has meticulously detailed carved, you know, lions, for example, or carved statues in in the walls. And it's all perfectly bump mapped and it per- so that it's all kind of raised up and it's all it's just really, really intricately made. And you're just like, wow, this is amazing, like incredible. And the storytelling that they do through the environment is is something to be seen. In the same way that something like Dear Esther has great storytelling through its environment but you have to go and look at it like there is no mechanical reason to engage with that that kind of environmental storytelling so it's not like something like deus ex where there's like a flashing light on a little voice recorder and the environmental storytelling is you go over to that thing pick up the voice recorder and it says well i'm gonna have to change my password to blah 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 and then you can see like you know somebody's written help us in blood in their own blood right you know that kind of stuff on the wall right it's cut not off that kind their of limbs yeah cut off their limbs like it's not that um you, you but when you go and look at this stuff it's really interesting there's paper that like you know um newspapers kind of swirling around and when they land on the ground you can see like little headlines and stuff there's in fact there's collectible items the, the few bits of environmental storytelling where you you can get some mechanical impact from them is there are some collectibles that you find i'll come back to that in a second um but you can you can read these newspapers and there's they're fully written out like e- each page is like fully written out and the newspapers look you know really really great like really well written and great 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 world building in that way the story itself is like fine like it's 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 a bit over the top and a little bit silly in places but again the characterization is really good so the 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 plot is maybe not not amazing but the actual narrative itself the characterization that stuff is is really well done yeah and i was really put off playing this game in 2015 because i basically heard a load of people whinging about how it's very short yes i heard that it is seven or eight hours long personally i don't think that's a I, yeah yeah i've got a job i'm all right uh like I, i'm more than willing to see it see the credits after eight hours fine 
Um, so to me, it never really outstayed its welcome. But one of the criticisms of it that I didn't really understand at the time, and, and now I totally do, is when I say these collectibles and that they have this mechanical element to them of environmental storytelling, that's really important because mechanically, the game is super straightforward and very controlled. And what I mean by that is it's kind of like Rise, actually, in that, in that same way, where they really want to control what you're doing because they really want to show off all of these visuals at all times and mm. present the game in the best possible way, right? Absolutely, And yeah. they, they also want to have a great level of detail in their environment architecture. But because of that, they don't really want you to mess it up. So you can walk along the space, and yeah, every once in a while there'll be like a little glass bottle and, and you'll, you'll, you'll ding your foot on that and it'll roll across the thing. But like the rest of the space is like there's no destruction, there's no, there's no real destruction, there's no real in, interacting with anything. And more than that... The game is really a series of essentially straight lines that just so happen to be a little bit wibbly-wobbly that are just encounter, encounter, encounter. And they try and hide some of this by having this, by having like short paths off in a slightly different direction. But there's nothing down them. Like those collectibles, there's very few of them. So you'll go down a path and be like, you know, you do that classic thing of like, you know, you get into a space. I always do this. When when you when you're playing you a game, go left. There's always a left, and there's always a left, and there's always a right, and you always go right. Well, I'm gonna go some distance down one of them, and if I haven't got to the end, then I'll probably double back and go down the other one because that will yeah. probably be the dead end, right? Well, these distances are even shorter, and often there's just nothing down them. Like there's just nothing there. Like there's environmental storytelling, i.e., like here, you are in a slum, and here is some trash. But there's no, there's nothing to mechanically engage with, or very little to mechanically engage with, and it's it's really interesting that the game's the game's greatest the the the, the time in which the game is mechanically at its best is actually in the final sequences in which you are quite literally in a tunnel, going from encounter to encounter, and the game just does away with any sense of trying to convince you that it's not that and that is the point in which the game is at its purest and actually is at its most fun because you're not going down a going down a very short hallway only to be disappointed that literally nothing is there you're just being funneled exactly to the exciting gun sequence the exciting like combat sequence Mm. that you want to get into because that gun combat is really good the enemies are smart the uh the the each of these weapons by the way i've never seen a more focused set of weapons to which i wouldn't look at any of them and go you didn't need that one like they they all have their purpose they all feel brilliant to play with like you know they all feel mechanically really fun to play with as i say the the, the enemies are really you know uh, um, for the most part really exciting to play against they're quite smart and there's interesting the encounters are set up in such a way that you can actually tackle them in different ways i mean i mean ultimately the way is shoot the enemies until they fall down but there are different areas where you can attack these enemies from and there is a little bit of mobility though not nearly as much as something like an uncharted it's much more like a gears of war that kind of thing but the thing that really put me as i say the thing that put me off was was all these reviews and, and i've been looking at the metacritic score and it was in the mid 60s yeah this is a game that, let me tell you, if you see it for a tenner or 15 quid, right, it is a wonderful way to spend an after- like a couple of afternoons. They really don't make games like that because very often because they are a product of the era in which they launch. They are these hyper-specialised, 
just make the thing, just make the world look really, really amazing and show off the graphics of the PlayStation 4, this brand new PlayStation 4, and then have a competent game that's actually within it, right? I love the hair. Thanks very yeah, much. I love the hair. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, um, I had uh, one of the uh, colleagues that I work with, um, so, uh, they said that it was, um, they said that it was very uh, peaky, which I didn't really know what that meant, but I think, uh, oh, but then like went peaky, peaky blinders. Peaky blinders, yeah. Not like widows, not widows peaky. Or you're looking a bit peaky there, Chris. I think you'd better sit down. I yeah. had the other day, did I tell you, so I went to the barbers. And the, something happened to me in the barbers. It's never happened to me at any time I've got my hair cut. The guy was shaving the back of my head. But rather than him move, he just turned me like he's icing a cake. <laughs> like a full 360. That's great. I think that's, I think that's pretty so, efficient. So, yeah. so at one point, I was just staring outside the window into the streets and people just walking past and i was just waving hey and but yeah he literally just turned me like a like um like it was like a kebab like it was a lazy suit yeah talking of awkward uh hairdresser um interactions the other day i went for a haircut and the hairdresser went eyebrows i was like yeah sure then he only did one and i was like do i what what do i say now like does he only think I needed one yeah, needing. It's like pogs and pog, isn't it? It's eyebrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chris, we've got to organise our dates for the diary. We say, huh? Because let's see where we're up to. So obviously, Pete, you'll you'll know this. A, a listener may not know it, but every year, Chris mm. and I get together. And what's special about this time that we get together every year? We'll pick a date and we'll say, right, that is going to be what we call a war boys date war boys war boys war boys and what's special about that date is we we will only play war themed or war fair kind of yeah games yeah mm. so memoir 44 v commandos polis undaunted undaunted have been sort of the four that we've kind of floated around or sort of been rotating around for the past three or four years in fact this year will be war boy six chris oh my word the road war to valhalla six. so <laughs> so um yeah I've, I've actually got a box in my loft which is specifically for war boys games which is great because i only need to bring them out once a year um so i just go up it is quite ceremonial now but the other day we were together after you'd come back from france and we were we were all excited uh, because you'd finally got I can't believe it. what might be a brand new entry into the into the War Boys canon. Ooh. Yeah. We have a canon. <laughs> uh for my fifty fifth thirty fifth birthday, so some years ago, yes. you all very kindly on Kickstarter Hogs of War, the board game. Oh. Oh. Mm, mm, mm. And cue then months and months of Sam forwarding me emails from the Kickstarter <laughs> campaign, explaining where they were in the process, well, having, having a look at all these minis, shipping, all this kind of thing. And it arrived the other day. I went and picked it up from the depot in town for the Royal Mail. And it's huge. It's, it's well, to, to give Pete sort of an idea of, of 
of how huge the game was, we thought that we just oh we just would have set it up and just like maybe play a round or two and just see just see how it is. About half an hour later, we were still setting up. Um, <laughs> I mean, I made a massive mistake because I hadn't looked at the rules at all, Pete. We thought, oh, we'll we'll um we'll just learn as we go, won't we? Well, I actually said we'll just play one round. We didn't even get to that stage because no, the setup is epic and we didn't feel it would be good for any of us to try and it wouldn't be fair on the game makers and designers to try and learn as we go so yeah so i think we're going to um well we definitely are going to play it because by god it's it's um it's it's (laughs) we've been waiting a long time to actually get it into our hands but the game that we played in its absence Mm. was a game called god tier and this was a game that came in five boxes mm-hmm. and had probably about the same amount of miniatures but took about a tenth of the time to actually set up and and actually get get to the table okay that's good and again it was one of those things where it was getting quite late in the evening and i said to chris because I've, I've played it before and um i said to chris i'll just introduce you to this and we'll just play a few rounds and just see how we just see how we get on Q2, an hour and a half later, Chris has absolutely pummeled me and taken me to the cleaners and wins the game. Mm-hmm. But God Tier is a, again, it was a Kickstarter game, but now it's available in full retail from Stone, from Steamforged Games. And they were kind enough to send us a lot of boxes, um, which I attempted to film in some coherent way on our Instagram feed, but I don't feel like I really did a very good job. So God Tier is... And Pete, you and I have spoken about this, and I think it's like a miniatures war game. I don't, or like a miniatures skirmish game. I don't know how you, how would you quantify it, Chris? Uh, before Pete launches into a syntax, it's, uh, it's, rant. it's more skirmishy for me. I would say. Hmm. I think the definitions of war game, skirmish game, all that sort of stuff are so broad at this point. I would say if you are into miniatures games as in miniatures wargaming i think you probably wouldn't think it was a skirmish game or a miniatures wargame but if you're a board gamer you probably you might you you would absolutely be well within your right to say yeah it's a it's a war all right okay well well, let let me explain how the game works Mm. and then we'll we'll move either away from that definition or we'll speed towards it uncontrollably um so how god tier works is that you have this board covered in hexes. Um, along one side of this board, you have this ladder, which is separate different squares um, running from one player to another. And each player has three champions. Now, these champions are people who are going to go out of their way to collect these things called the god tiers. And they collect those by running to these specific hexes on the board, slamming their banner down on it, and um, if that banner is on that hex by the end of that turn, they get certain points and certain awards, and they get, you know, the god tier. And each of those champions also has a band of followers that will follow them. They're, they're essentially like minions, and it will either mm. be like a group of skeletons or a group of um, centaurs or, I think... 
Chris played with one character whose minions were a bunch of quartz rock, um, which are great because they could only move like three three spaces in one straight line. They literally just like barrel rolled into um, into play, which is which is quite thematic. I, I enjoyed that. And God Tier has so many wonderful ideas in it mm-hmm. that it's one of those board games that I would love to recommend to everyone and I would definitely it's one of those ones I definitely would like to play with as many people as possible but the more and more I I will get into it and explain to you what it is the more difficult I get in terms of the more harder it gets for me to actually really recommend it and I'll explain I'll explain why do you mean do you mean to recommend it to a wide audience or do you mean to recommend it to a like is it difficult to recommend it at all or is it difficult to recommend it to a wide audience no, I think I think it's got a lot going for it, and okay. everyone that I've played it with has had an absolute blast. Right, like, okay. it is. It's really peppy. It's really quick in terms of you know, game starting and having fisticuffs and getting into the action. Like it is exceptional for what it appears like on the on the surface, mm-hmm. because how the game works is you have. Your champions and their minions, each person has three each. You deploy them at the start and you'll pick a scenario out the out the book, which gives some sort of light sort of flavor text to what's going on, tells you where the objective tiles are, which are the ones that the champions need to put their banners into. And it will also give some special rules cases for what happens at the end of each round, which mm-hmm. I'll come back to. And then... You decide who's going first or second, and then you put this little token on the ladder that's running on the side of the board. And how the game works is you, when you perform certain actions or do certain things in the game with your champions or your minions, as a player, you receive certain number of points. And for each point, that token moves closer to you. And at the end of the round, whoever's whoever has that token on their side of the board basically wins that round. And each round is worth a certain number of points, and it's the first player to five. Now, this is the first thing that I really like about God Tier, is how it organises itself into rounds. Because as someone who has tried to get into miniatures gaming, and by this I mean full-on, full-on, like miniatures, like wargaming, the one thing that I've always found the most frustrating is, when is this going to end? I don't mean that like... (laughs) In a bad way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I mean is, like, I've played games of Blood Bowl that I thought were going to end in five minutes, but then went on for another 50. Yeah. Whereas in God Tier, you only play a maximum of five rounds. And because each round scores differently, the whole game could be over with an hour, but it's never going to go over an hour and a half. So, for example, the first round is worth one point, the second round is worth two, the third round is worth three points, the fourth round is worth two as well so it could be all over by the third round or it could be over by the fourth or fifth so for me that's a really nice proposal in terms of we're going to have this sorry pete like skirmishy battle rolling dice moving all these really lovely miniatures all over the place and i know it's going to be 90 minutes Mm. tops Mm. love that and then the actual like game itself how it actually operates Everyone starts off with a plot phase and that is each player will move and activate all their champions and all their minions and then the other player will move and activate and all their 
um, and activate certain skills on their minions. And then you have the clash phase where each player takes it in turns, activate one specific group of minions or one specific champion. And everything is so wonderfully um, laid out that you've got these cards in front of you which tell you like you know how far a character can move what their armor is what their dodge is you know how hard they hit it gives you lists all the skills that they can do through each phase and then when you finish with that character on that phase you flip over the card and it gives you all the things that they can do when they're fighting when they're involved in combat so it's really easy again to know right what have i done with that yeah i've activated that one and that one and that one and now i'm moving on to this one which is the other thing that always really got me on um you know play miniatures games it does sometimes it does very quickly get very soupy in terms of right who have i activated yeah. and yeah. which ones am i doing with, with that and the other thing that i really really like is that the scenarios are actually really well suited to bring out the best in the game so i've played two of the scenarios i played one called life and one called death so the one called life what happens is at the end of the round if you've lost that round then you get to choose two hexes where two more objective markers can go on so you go from this position of having only four hexes in the middle of the board which everyone's trying to fight over to then suddenly having this like sprawling city of objective hexes that somehow you've got to try and defend or block or challenge for and chris and i played one called death which is the inverse of that so we started off with 10 hexes and by the end of the game it ended up with just two so we went from a position mm -hmm. where we had three basically objective spaces that we were all spreading our champions far and wide to to head towards to then just having two in the center of the table that we were all just like throwing our lot in trying to trying to absolutely grab and i really like that that the even the board felt alive like it was responding to to what we were doing and forcing us to have to think differently about how we were going to use that plot phase how are we going to use these skills how are we going to use these these different things that we've got that we've got at our, at our advantage and it's it's really good it's lean it's um, mean the board is nice and tight the card descriptors yeah. and the iconography is very clean and very clear and me when i was playing it pete i was really tired i had a headache mm. you were chris but it hooked yeah. me and in my head i was thinking right, should i say to sam we'll just play around and i'll move actually no i'll just say we'll play three rounds and then i'll i'll, I'll hit tracks <laughs> i'll make tracks we we play the full five rounds and yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I was hooked because very quickly in my you know fatigued state I could see how very clearly cards could combine with each other the order of cards mm -hmm. and how the different factions would complement each other very clear and really really satisfying as a consequence really and we were just on your mm -hmm. kitchen table doesn't take up much space at all yep. and to get that really chunky feeling of moving miniatures around and the miniatures are great by the way um across these different hexes but in a very tight and efficient manner loved it very clean there's not a single ounce of fat on this game whatsoever no it reminds no. me a lot of um it reminds me a lot of kind of like a mix between like dota and yeah. uh, a game called warhammer underworlds 
which was a still is actually yeah and maybe this is what this is maybe what this is 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 a competitive miniatures game um Mm -hmm. and that's what games workshop market it markets it as and there's a lot of the same sort of beats that you're talking about here limited number of turns like small like smaller player count objective based gameplay very quickly understanding the theme of what it is that you're doing and whether or not you've activated the thing like and and it's seen as a kind of um rather unfairly seen as a bit of a gateway game into like (laughs) the hobby proper but actually it's a really good game in and of itself and this kind of seems certainly not the same but this seems like that kind of genre of tabletop game whereby it's not as kludgy and crunchy and all that sort of stuff no. as as like a more traditional war game that that dota analogy is is really interesting because that's the thing that really struck me especially when we, we when we were playing the death scenario chris because there was there was all we almost had three lanes yeah. where we had champions one-on-one in specific lanes battling mm-hmm. each other and you know there there are there are champions that specifically have boons if they go after followers like they're mm-hmm. essentially like minion minion beaters which is the same in like dota and things like league of legends Play your role. where you have you have character classes that specifically go against like just thinning out yeah the minions yeah i started this by saying that this came in five boxes yeah i was gonna say like I, i've just seen there's a starter set can i just get that and then get get on uh i i wish i could say yes okay. but the starter set i don't think does a very good job of selling this game and how brilliant this game is at all. So what do I what what, what would you say I would actually need to understand this game? See so, so you'd need the full the full so the five boxes mm-hmm. what Steamforge sent us is everything you need to play the full game. So we're talking about a starter set and then what four what are they expansions? Then four they... then four like champion expansions. Okay. Basically. To play, to, to play the full or to get the best experience or to get to get the best experience. So so it's recommended that you play a three on three champions battle. In the starter set you get two champions. And I played the starter set obviously just to, to learn the rules and get going. And I guess for, for learning the rules it's it's fine but you just it the games feels very lackluster for that experience because there's no strategy there's no depth you're just walking up to another character and rolling dice Mm -hmm. and seeing what you know seeing what the outcome the outcome is there's no you can't really develop a grand plan you can't really work off each other in terms of trying to work out what each other's going to do what plague are they going to make what where are they going to hit? Who are they going to go after? There's none of that. You just two people windmilling in a playground. Like it, it just feels completely flat as an experience. When you add the other characters, then suddenly it just it just springs into life, and suddenly it's just like you know, it's 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 like the the hooves in Princess Mononoke. It's it's you know, touching the ground, and suddenly everything just becomes verdant and lovely and right. and right. and full of life. And then as soon as the foot goes away, it it dies and withers on the vine. And it was a bit crushing for me when you know I played the full game and really enjoyed it so much because first of all there's a, a question of space so to play this game I need to keep five boxes in my house mm-hmm. very sorry to all the Steamforge fans I've now cut out the insert to the, the start <laughs> set and just thrown all the miniatures loose in the box excellent yep and is, and is that just to save on space it's just to save on space yeah. And because the four boxes together are probably 
like two of the start sets on right. top of each other. Right, right, right. So it's like three times, it's like having three like board game boxes. This is why I'm like, this doesn't quite feel like a miniatures game because a miniatures player is sat here going, yeah, so? Because that we would just we just we just bin that stuff. We're just like, yeah, no, we don't need this. We just need the miniatures is the thing. Which you know, we, you know, we'll, we'll put them in a, their own little special carry case or wherever it is. Like you know, you can chuck the rest of the box. This isn't a problem. Whereas the thing you're describing is how I feel about incomplete board games, where I'm like, ah, I know I can play the whole thing, but because there isn't the insert that was provided, it yeah. feels like it's not the whole thing anymore. Yeah. So the so the like the, the the space is the is the one condition, and then the other is the price. Okay. And so for a starter set, you're looking for about thirty quid. That's like yeah. And then okay. for each of these extra champions, about twenty quid. Right. Again, this is a board game because <laughs> because again, the miniatures. The miniature wargamer in me is like, oh, how much are we talking about here? That sounds like two or three hundred pounds worth of stuff. <laughs> like, and you're like, well, you might have to spend, you know, coming up on 50, maybe 70 pounds for an amazing, for a great game Fair with enough. all these great expansions. I mean, that is expensive for a board game. And obviously, you know, expense is obviously relative. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to make light of that. But like, again, for, for a miniatures game, I'm sort of sat here like, OK, like that, that doesn't. I, I, th- I think what disappoints me most is that as a value proposition, if the starter set was the full three on three experience for a hundred quid i'd be like it's a hefty price but by word it's it's worth it if you can afford it yeah yeah what is difficult is is trying to recommend it to people by saying trust me get the starter set plus these four other things (laughs) yeah yeah and because i don't feel like if you just play the starter set you'd want to then go on and buy the four other things trusting us or me or or anyone else who's got an opinion about these things becomes very very difficult there there is a way that you can that you can limit the cost so there's two different starter sets so you could get both of them for 60 quid and then you only need two other champions and that you get the benefit of um two different boards so mm-hmm. you have four different maps because the boards are double-sided but yeah I, I just don't know it's very i just don't know where i am with the game because it's like it's Everyone I played it with had an absolute blast. I'm keeping it. It's in my collection, which is a very prestigious place to to be. Mm, mm. It's all rattling around in one box, but I fully intend to pull this out again and and, and play it. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> but yeah, it, it it's like I I I don't know who I'd recommend it to. Do you know what will save on shelf space, Sam? What's that, Chris? Renting board games. Oh. So I don't know if you saw. I I put I a little I put a little post on the Instagram page. Mm-hmm. We were contacted some time ago by a, a brand new company, a Rent Shuffle and Roll. So that's Rent Shuffle and Roll. <laughs> Jay, but UK. It's a fantastic name, and they are really making the most of that kind of post. I say post, it's not really post, kind of post-pandemic world we're currently living in. and Because you rented games was, in, yeah. the, in the pandemic. So, like, my local board game cafe, uh, Board Beans in Northwich, they did a board game rental service when, like, all businesses were really kind of shut in town. Oh, and it was fantastic. This, yeah. So, you know, Fraser and Betsy would have, like, this online 
list of games and you go can I have this this and this and then I just pay a rolling subscription and they literally deliver them to my door I've got this with rent shuffle and roll now and if you go on their website you can kind of see it it's a very clean and very well presented website that takes you through the process I've gone in paying about 15 quid a month that gets me four credits a month that's the kind of lower tier so it's like you know i'm signing up to a streaming service that's kind of analog as opposed to digital and Mm -hmm. they've got Mm -hmm. this extensive list of board games lots of kids games as well which is pretty good and each depending on the weighting of the game a little bit like the bgg weighting they've assigned a credit rating to it so your small games like little card games micro games one credit your bigger heavier games three to four credits so I've got my credits. I pick the games I want. They arrive in the post in a in a parcel. And as you can see in the video I put on our Instagram page, I've got some nice coasters, got some Haribo. But also I get the the label to post it back and the tape to seal the box. And that that's just fantastic. So they've literally taken out every um, fiddly aspect of the process. I'm given the date in which I need to post it back. Everything goes back in the box. I use the tape to seal it up, take it to my post office. Off it goes. I pick my next selection of games. Sorry, so is this this is this is giving me love film vibes. So it's basically there's a website, you go on, I want that, send it to me, they send it to you, you play it, you send it back, you get in the next yeah, one. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's that's cool. It's amazing. And I'm 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 like they've not paid me to do this. They've not given me anything for this literally. They they just wanted to share the love, which you know, it's a very friendly community board gaming saying, you know, you're you guys are board yeah. gamers, you might like to partake in this. Mhm. Well, 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 we well, Chris, we don't know whether that bag of Haribo was standard or that Yeah, what level like... of Haribo are we talking about here? Oh, Starmix. A little bag of stuff. Yeah, but are we talking small bag? Small bag, but or small we, bag. What, like a tea? Okay, small, small bag, that's One not credit. bribery. No, that's, no, yeah. no, that's fine. Yeah, that, that, that's, that, I'm pretty sure that, that passes the journalistic ethics a, code. A big, a big Tang Fastix, and oh, that would be, be questionable. I'd, yeah, I'd be, um, I'd be creating uh, hate-fueled Twitter campaigns. I, I, can, I, can I just point out from Chris's, Chris's video that I did have a moment where he was like, Oh yeah, and here, and here, I can't do the voice. Oh yeah, and, here, and here's the and here's the tape that they that they give you to wrap it up in. And so I was like, how do you tape up the box and then put the tape back in the box? Until then, I realised you just cut off the tape that you need to yeah, tape it yeah, down yeah, with, well and then done. put the well tape done. back in the box. Do you, know, do you know what? Hopefully, this website is pretty clean because I don't think Sam's going to be able to navigate it otherwise. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> So, so, so what? So, I mean, is so the thing with love film that I always loved about love film is that I, because I was, you know, OG. Uh, what I loved about love film is at a time in which I gave a toss about them, um, it m- pushed me to watch movies that yeah. would kind yeah. of be outside of my comfort zone. So that's how I found stuff like Rashomon, for example, and realised I really like Kurosawa. What does the does this? Do you get exactly what you want, or is it like here's my wish list? Send me the and here's the order in which I want them. Or what? What? How do you do that? So at the moment, it's you get exactly what you want. So okay. it tells you like I'm on the website now, rentshuffleandroll.co.uk, and it says okay, abandon all data chokes, which Sam spoke about in a previous pod, is out of stock. Yeah, that's one okay. credit above okay. and below. Three credits out of stock. So I could imagine what would happen would be okay, I've got four credits. I'm going to just get lots of one-credit games. Well, four to be exact. I found three that I really want. Oh, and that fourth one's out of stock. Oh, I'll just find any one-credit game just to fill 
yeah. the quota. Yeah. And I think I'm more likely to take a punt just by dint of the fact that it's a rental service. It's a try before you buy, which is Absolutely. something I, you know, I bought a few games based on ones I'd rented previously. And in fact, yeah. as we're recording, my intention has been divided because I'm in the process of bidding on eBay for a second-hand copy of Fury of Dracula, which is really hard oh. to get a copy oh. of. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So you you played the classic early 80s games workshop game Fury of Dracula. So that was the Fury of Dracula, I think. This was so this is the f- the third edition of that from 2015 um that went from it's a fantasy yeah, it went from games workshop yeah, to fantasy, fantasy flight, flight and now the yep. fourth edition is whiz kids and now nobody really knows who has the rights anymore uh so the people who own the rights are gw so gw owns the rights to this and um they 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 after the deal with fantasy flight went away uh <laughs> the uh they uh, yeah i think whiz kids are the ones that picked that one up afterwards but yeah they, they, they this this is the hidden movement one, oh my it? word like yeah. And it's meant to be for like yeah. four players versus one, one of you being Dracula, four of you being the hunters. Yes, it's hidden movement. So um, at least one of, you know, in a hidden movement game, at least one of the players is moving in secret. Their, their player, their playing piece is not on the board and they're, they're keeping a secret record or a note of where they are. And the other players have to deduce where they are on the board. And we've played loads of these. Sam's introduced me to Letters from Whitechapel, which we've spoken about in the previous episode of the pod. Yeah, great. I love a hidden movement game. Escape from the Aliens in Outer Space. I love that sensation. Yeah. So in Fury of Dracula, as you say, Pete, one of you is Dracula, who is trying to mm. hide in Europe and buying themselves enough time to amass a huge degree of influence, um, creating mm. vampires. And they yep. have a track and they put their location cards face down there. And every time they move, they move their previous location one stage to the right. And any time one of my hunters goes to a location where they've been, they flip over that card. So I can kind of work out roughly where they are. If they ever go to sea, they put a blue card face down. So I know they're at sea, but I don't know where. And it's all about me trying to find their lairs, you know, destroy their vampires before they fall off the edge of the board and mature. And to try and, with my hunters, corner Dracula and weaken him. And then when you get to combat, Mm. it's just playing cards. And hopefully I've got enough equipment there by that point to chip away at Dracula before he he escapes and I have to corner him somewhere else in Europe. It is so thematic. Mm. It's and I'm I'm not yeah. somebody who's wholly wedded to the Dracula mythos. I am going to start reading um, the original Stoker's Dracula this summer. I'm going to get find myself a nice audio book of it and just go on. Have read it before? I've never read it before in my life. Oh, Chris, it's a classic. Oh, it's so good. Like so, I'm I'm fully invested in this now, and it is that classic Dracula look. If you look yeah. on the front cover in this third and fourth edition, it's the it's the Sleep old school hair. Dracula post Nosferatu pre Twilight kind of Dracula and <laughs> and you are playing as the hunters from the novels there's Mina Harker there's um, Van, Helsing. Van Helsing yes there's Godalming there's Doctor mm. oh gosh Chris Darby can I can I just say can I just say like Chris Chris keeps you, you keep sending me pictures of you playing this game which is not really like you unless you really really like mm. something I mean, have I ever been invited to play it? No, I haven't ever been invited to play it. But, but, but in terms of like those signs that I look for when I know you're really enjoying it, are first of all nearly falling asleep but sticking to the end. 
which you, you must be Classic. enjoying it. Yeah. Uh, sending me unsolicited uh, board game picks. Board game, yeah. Definitely, 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 um, definitely enjoying it. Or just requesting to play it. I can introduce another one, Sam. I played two games in a row yesterday, which you know me. I never do that. Yeah. Really? Oh, for uh, that's sake. because I lost both of them, and I lost so badly in the first one. And I, I'm, I'm not afraid to admit it. You're my mates, but generally, if I lose, if I play a brand new game, and I lose, I have to really silence that inner voice that tells me the game's crap. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah, yeah, Sam will know this about me. You can pick it up on me. Ge- generally, it's this mm. whiff of me, and I have to. And it's so immature. It's so childish. And particularly when you know when I'm playing against Sam or my mate Matt, who I was playing for you, Dracula with, who are really good, who are really good winners, and and I, I, I and I have to say oh, I'm not competitive. I'm not competitive, but I really feel it. And like twice, you know, I was like, oh, why is it? You're so overpowered, you know. I said, he says, yeah, I'm Dracula. Yeah. And I'm playing as yeah. four hunters. And, and bearing in mind, I've got an advantage. You're not meant to play it the way I was playing it. It's meant to be four other players with their cards, which they don't really show to each other, and trying to corner Dracula in Europe. And I played all four hunters at once, which is not how you're meant to play it. So I had four sets of cards going for them each in turn. I still couldn't win. But even though I'm not very good at it, it's so... Once you get that whiff of Dracula, he was here. Okay. Yeah. He's going this way here. He's at... <laughs> that was that was the abandoned name, wasn't it? When when they finally settled on Fury, you could just see on the whiteboard whiff, whiff of Dracula. Crossed the new fragrance. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so but if it wasn't for Rent Shuffle and Roll, because it's a game I'd, I've always wanted to play for years, but trying to find a copy of it. Yeah. Again, yeah. as we were talking about before, with God tier. Like, well, do I really want to invest in a game that I don't know if I'm going to like it or not? That's why a board game cafe is perfect. Or if you want to play it at home, that's why a board game rental um, facility mm-hmm. is perfect. So thanks to Rent, Shuffle and Roll, I am now on a long eBay bid. Um, I've just put in another offer for a second-hand copy of Fury of Dracula, which is like gold dust at the moment to try and find. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So fingers crossed, I'll get it. Uh, and knowing my luck, I'll probably be bored of it or something. I don't know. Look, I haven't had a response yet from Defra. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's every two weeks, Pete. Remember, every two weeks. Yeah, every absolutely. Two, yeah, so You're yeah, right. every once a month, isn't it? That's it. If I don't, if I don't, yeah, exactly. We do do it once a month. So I haven't heard anything back, but um, I am taking uh, suggestions for. Uh, I am taking suggestions in for other sorts of investigations that I can do. Stayinginpod at gmail dot com. <laughs> do you know, Pete? Pete, um, I spoke to my sister about your email. I said, you know, Pete's email, Defra. And she looked at me like, Defra? My sister's a vet and she gets regular email updates from Defra around, you know, I don't know, bird flu, possible instances of foot and mouth, all this kinds mm. of thing. So she was like, why, why is he emailing Defra? And mm. I said, well, <laughs> he, he wants to know if you should put biscuits in the fridge. <laughs> and the look she gave me... <laughs> told me that perhaps they might be quite busy with other things perhaps you don't I have know. been told I've been told that my, the email has been forwarded to the appropriate people oh, there you go yeah uh, yeah so you know some make, intern somewhere some intern yeah some 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 poor intern um <laughs> I think, can you can you can you just send the email to McVitty? can we just can we cut can, the middleman out can we circumvent we just, we, defra let's just assume that someone at defra may get back to us at some point 
that would be great. But can we just like cover our bases and email maybe McVitty? Okay, I'll, and I'll see email McVitty. What they have to say. Which way up you should eat the biscuit? That's fine. Um, so, so <laughs> I might ask that one as well. Actually, P.S. Which way up? Um, it's P.S. Yeah. So, um, so um, stayingpod at gmail dot com is the email address to send us uh, bits and pieces. Of, and also other questions and stuff like that, of which we have one. Really? Do we? Uh, we have a an email from Robin Z. Hello, Robin. Hello, indeed. Okay. Hi, Robin. Um, and Robin says. Robin Z or Robin Z. I always say Z, but I know it's going to be Z. I don't know. I know. Don't. Okay. I've, I've had enough from you, Sam, and you. I should eat things <laughs> in a certain order. I'm not going to change the way that I say the letters of the alphabet. It's too late. All right? It's too late. Um, so listening to the morning movie debate, uh, so this was the, uh, you know, should you even... Oh, yeah, because I went to go and see Thor, Love yeah. and Thunder at 9 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. And a question popped in my mind. Since you're all expert movie patrons, what is the best candy pairing with popcorn uh what portions of each makes the perfect mix how do you mix the two for example pour into the tub or a handful of this and a handful of that and then there's a couple of other questions here which we'll get to in good order so um for me uh a good uh, i have the definitive answer so yeah go on then go on then what is it because i don't i don't like mixing uh popcorn and candy what's the definitive answer so i never did but my wife introduced me to it, so you know, what a woman. So the definitive answer is M and M's, and you'll probably want a bag of M and M's to uh, like a, a a grab bag, mm-hmm. one of the the, the biggish sort the bigger of bags, bags. Yeah, yeah. Uh, per medium popcorn. Right now, the the important thing here is the is the delivery. It's the infusion of the M and M's. Okay. Um, I'd also say Magic Stars, but I I like the texture differential between the popcorn and the M and M's, which is quite. Magic Stars are mine number one because the points snag on the co- the popcorn in a really nice manner. I think there's something to be said with Mars chocolate combining well with mm. cinema popcorn. I think that's the that's probably the kicker here in this mm. in this conversation. But what really is important, the, the combination is by the by, like chocolate and popcorn is just a great wonderful uh, mix mm. what is really important is how you combine the two because do not and i've done this a few times and it ruins your experience do not throw them all in at once ah do not less yeah. is more half bag so whether that's a small little one-on-one bag or a big bag half bag in so you put your half bag on top and then just put your hand into the bag of popcorn and ruffle around i mean post pan this is you know Make sure you're doing it with someone that you love or your own hands, whatever. Clean, sanitise before and after. And then when you're halfway down the popcorn, then introduce other other half of bag. Mm. Because otherwise what happens is M&Ms and Magic Stars are denser and heavier than the popcorn around them. They descend as you... It's a bit like quicksand. As you're rooting around for said M&Ms and <laughs> Magic Stars to add more boost to your bite they will just descend to the bottom and then you end up with basically a bunch of popcorn yep. kernels Fools and endeavor. some M&Ms. Or, or for me, just just unwrap like a load of cream eggs and just chuck them in. Oh, this is just, this is disgusting. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't have popcorn. Pete, with, what was yours? I don't have popcorn with candy. I'm a traditionalist. Okay. So, uh, well, traditionally... I, mm, what? No, okay. traditionally, eat your bloody popcorn. Which is the best standard movie popcorn? Without butter, with butter... Or kettle corn, 
Okay. So um, I well, think we don't have any of those in this country. Uh, well, uh, so we make. Uh, so I'm a traditionalist, uh, and uh, we make. Yeah, yeah, we make popcorn at home, uh, and we use and we use butter, uh, and um, it is absolutely delicious for it. Um, nice little bit of ever so slightly salted butter, and then a little bit of sh- uh, uh, sugar. And it's just like it's just like toast before bed for you. Oh, it? it's delicious. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it is. But, 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 it but is don't put the whole pattern at once. Just remembering Sam's. No, just <laughs> just be clear. Do not put the whole lot in. Um, uh, we don't we don't, we don't really do kettle corn. And then um, thoughts on caramel popcorn, for it or against it? Now, again, I'm a traditionalist. I am heavily against the caramel popcorn. I am. I mm-hmm. absolutely oh hate caramel. You sent us. You sent us that when we left yours yes. in Bristol. You would not have that popcorn in your flat. I was. We had some. Pop, yeah. We had some caramel popcorn that we got, and I was. I was like, get it out of my house. I'm. I'm usually. I'm. 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 I'm pretty good with like food. I. I really enjoy trying lots and lots of different kinds of. Um, as long as it's all food. really separate. Yeah, as long as it's all really one, separate, yeah. and I can do it in the right order. <laughs> Um, but with with popcorn, I, I'm very, I'm very. There is a right way, and it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love, I love a um, butterkiss toffee. It's a classic. Oh, oh, it's disgusting! It's disgusting. I uh, one of my uh, the other day when um, Chris and I were going to um, no, what was it? I went to who did I go to the cinema with? It's either Chris or uh, Lisa. Um, yeah, no, that's it. We went to go and see yeah. Top Gun with Chris and Lisa. <laughs> Worlds collided. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I had my pop, I had a popcorn and M M&M and M mix there. And when I was leaving there, I was like, oh, I've had a, I've had a bit of I've had a bit of popcorn stuck in my teeth that, since the start of the movie. And my wife was just like, oh, that must have been awful. And I was just like, yeah, no matter how much more popcorn and M and Ms I ate, just <laughs> nothing would make it punch. <sighs> right. So anyway, well, if, if, if what you're after is more enlightenment, uh, then please stayinginpod.gmail.com like Robin uh, did. Thank you very much for that, Robin. We really do appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Robin. Like um, and um, yeah, if, however, you don't want to send us a question, um, do tell a friend about the podcast. Um, yeah. That's the easiest way. Yeah. You know, send them this one. This one's a pretty good onboarder, I would say. Sure. I think so, yeah. Sure, Dan's not here. But then there's that extra special gift of when Dan's back. So, like, you know, ex- even more friends to, to introduce oneself to. So, yeah, there you go. Um, and if you do want to leave us a little uh, review and a rating on wherever it is that you get your podcast, then uh, do please do that too. Uh, and, the before we go, and, before, and before we go, just to say that we're going on holiday all together next week for the first time in two years. Yes. So the next show is going to be... Oh, oh, the stories that we're oh, gonna have. Yeah, yes. We had a quiet weekend together <laughs> yeah. playing board games. How long did it take Pete to get home? <laughs> oh, oh, that's gonna be a disaster, isn't it? Um, is there a hot tub at this place? Yeah, there is, and it's sunken. Then, so you walk into it rather than getting a ladder, be or fun. you dive. Getting on. a ladder? Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, look forward to that. And um, we will post pictures. We'll post pictures up on the social, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You know how to find people. Just Google us. And that's about it, really. Thanks very much. And we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.